It's extra drama for book number 54, Two Boy Weekend. Hey, everybody. I'm Marissa Flaxbart, and I'm joined again by Taya Pat. Hello, Taya. Hello, hello. We found out in the main episode that you are a twin. I am. There's another me. Is she, he, or are they an identical Wait. twin? Uh, it's a sister and uh, fraternal, actually. So we did not look alike at all growing up. I was, I was just like, she had this beautiful, long, like jet black hair and olive skin tone. And I came out like a platinum Yeti. It made no sense. <laughs> uh, but she, yeah, she is, I, I have another half. And um, so I laughed at the twin telepathy thing because growing up we had that. And uh, more on more on my side, I could I could always sense like when my sister was like distressed or when she was happy or whatever sort of thing was happening. Um, I remember as a kid, she had asthma, like pretty bad asthma. And I was in third grade and apparently I looked at my teacher and I said, I think Alex is having trouble breathing. Like I just knew. And sure wow. enough, she, she had to go to the hospital. And like I wasn't by her, nothing like that. I just That's amazing. I, thought, I just knew. Yeah. Well, I've been wondering about this and I was wondering about it when it came up in the book because it's easy to sort of be like, Oh, of course, you magical plot device, you know, the, the mm -hmm. twins just know. But you do read about this and now it's cool to hear about it from a an actual twin mm -hmm. to the experience of it. Uh, growing up, our parents, because they, because something that does happen to a twins is they start to communicate on their own level and their own in their own language, uh, which can happen. And they were warned about it so early; they were really terrified <laughs> of that <laughs> happening and that we wouldn't socialize with other kids. And so, pretty much from preschool on, we were in separate classrooms. Like we we had our own friends, we were doing our own thing, and then I, I think sixth grade on we were even at different schools um so they were just so conscious of that <laughs> yeah so we were able to sort of become our own people and and we never cultivated that that secret language which i was like dang it that would have been so cool yeah that would have been cool that is really interesting though because i as i recall there is some backstory with the wakefield twins a similar kind of backstory mm -hmm. not not that their parents were worried about them developing a secret language but that they like dressed alike and you know, did everything the same up to a certain point in like elementary school when they started branching off. Mm -hmm. But one of the elements that comes up again and again, much to my frequent dismay in the series, <laughs> is that Elizabeth will often say she doesn't want to hear anything bad about Jessica. She's very defensive, I guess is the simple way to put it. Very defensive of Jessica. And Jessica, her version of that is that she will often be a little bit too hard on Elizabeth or take Elizabeth for granted because Elizabeth is granted. You know, it's like she mm -hmm. pushes that boundary a little bit because she knows that it's like unbreakable. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will say my sister is the coolest person on the planet. Aww. She is. Oh, I love my sister. She is this hands down, probably the smartest human I know. Cool. Yeah, she's I'm pretty partial. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm, that's really cool. I, I have always, I mean, this is weird to say to a twin, but I guess I've always been interested in twins yeah. in a way that I 
only when I pause and like think back on it, realize like, oh, yeah, because I when I was little, one of my favorite movies was the original Parent Trap, like the Haley Mills one, that <gasps> came, the Lindsay Lohan one hadn't come out yet. And so I watched it. That was one of those movies when I was a little kid that I was like, we always have to get that from the video store. Like, isn't I that let's watch get it. together? Yeah, 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 yeah. it yep. sure is. Which, of course, is not there. Haley Mills just plays both parts in that, just like Lindsay Lohan did later. But then, um, you know, I read these, the like kids versions of these books, the younger kids versions in the 90s when I was little and then got back into them later. And I I'm sure there's something else, but I guess I just think it's so interesting. I guess it's enchanting to me in a way that I can't quite describe. (laughs) So. Maybe it's my own being an only child. It's just like, what if there was just one more of me? You know? Right. I know, but see, we didn't get the benefits of being able to like swapsies on anything yeah. because we didn't look alike. This was in this book, Two Boy Weekend. This is an all new utilization, I feel, of the swapsies where mm. it's not planned out. It's in the moment and it's willing or it's both willing and unwilling, right? Because there's the part where Elizabeth is mistaken for Jessica and doesn't know that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And there's the part where Elizabeth knows that she's being mistaken for Jessica and lets it happen. And Jessica is unaware of it both times. Jessica has not divulged that she has a twin, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. those are all kind of different pieces of the puzzle. Well, I also will say, I forget a lot of times, we, my sister and I talked about this, we forget that we're twins. <laughs> we're mm. just like, oh yeah, we shared a womb. Right. <laughs> like, we just forget that fact. That's interesting. Well, does she live far away? She She's uh, back in Seattle. Okay. So she's, yeah, she's a couple states away, but um, I grew up there. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so cool. glad. I love the Pacific Northwest. Well, I had a few other things that were not related to me grilling you weirdly about being a twin. Um, <laughs> like I had some realizations during this book. And one of them was I was trying to decide a little bit like whether or not I actually wanted to read some of the passages of this book where Christopher is being threatening and menacing. And mm-hmm. I, I ultimately didn't read them. We had a joke from the early days of this podcast that sometimes a trigger warning is also a spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, And I don't really think that applies here. But, you know, I don't do a ton of trigger warnings on the show. And I think it's because these books, generally the way that they are handling the triggering topics, like whether it is like domestic abuse or like a a stalker or a kidnapping, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's something about like dieting issues, you know, or bullying, you know, the way that it's handled is usually so goofy Mm -hmm. that I feel like it's almost a safe way to engage with the upsetting topics. That mm-hmm. was kind of like a realization. Like, well, why, you know, does it mean, I think there are lots of schools of thoughts, thought on this, I guess, but like, why doesn't it rise to the level of me really feeling like, okay, this is, you need to watch out if, if you're going to be upset by this. And I think it's because most of the time it's so over the top. It's like when I was younger, I really enjoyed watching horror movies that had like, they always had really like gory blood. You know, somebody would get stabbed and just like really fake looking blood like gushes out. And it makes you laugh. It makes me laugh. Like the horror movies were funny because like, you know, right in the moment when you're most scared, then you get this like comedic relief of, I mean, it's not supposed to be funny, but it it is funny because it's so fake. Right. And there's something. So you were saying that you like, do you, are you like a murder show person? Well, I listen. I listen to like my favorite murder, 
And I watch a lot of the documentaries and like if there's ever a new one on Netflix or Hulu or anything like that, uh, I'm just really fascinated by it because there's always a part of you that feels like I would never, I would never. And just hearing like, especially they tell a lot of stories from like the early eighties, in fact, where women, specifically women were just like really trusting and they just said yes. And like, and then these things happened to them, which so the reason I listen is actually sort of like, I need to make sure that I'm never going to be murdered. <laughs> like, I make sure. It's like research. Okay. okay. It's like almost like research. Yeah. But it's just sort of like a morbid fascination. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't like, there, there are moments where you're like, it, you feel, you kind of go through all the emotions where you're like, this is so sad. And then you get angry, but then you're learning, but then like, it's really just fascinating. So that's kind of how, that's the reason that I, that I watch it. Cause I have that morbid curiosity. Yeah. Well, I guess even though it's not exactly the same sentiment that I was thinking of with like reasonings for reading the books or the horror movies, it is, I mean, in a way it is because it's like you're preparing yourself for a situation in a way that is like, you are definitely safe. Like you are at home on TV watching the show. So mm -hmm. like, you're okay. So if you can engage with it and like push push on that just a little bit like what would this be like then it's like somehow anti-anxiety because you are able to feel like you're preparing yourself in some way even and if again it's just a morbid curiosity mm. and okay. i think like as humans you're sort of we're we're very much um i think we're drawn to that kind of stuff it's yeah. actually, I was listening the other day, uh, there was a great thing on, I think it was NPR and they were talking about how people stop and look at car accidents yeah. and you look at it because it's just this thing that you're like, it's a disbelief that it's happened because it's just not something that you ever, you don't, you hear about it, but you just never think you'd witness it. And that there brings up in you, like, sort of, like I said, all these emotions and you, you feel absolutely everything when you look at it, but you're still curious. Because it's a mystery to you. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because I think for me, it kind of needs to be fake for me to, mm. for me to feel comfortable and like safe, emotionally safe. Um, my therapist like literally just gave me this phrase yesterday and it's just resonated so much. I can't believe I just repeated it. But yeah, like emotionally safe, it needs to be fake. And I... I mm -hmm. really do shy away from, like, the true documentary stories of, of horrible things happening, for the most part. I think I needed to be fake. And, and these these books are so fake. But, fake or not, it, this book did give you some hot tips on, like, how not to be murdered or hot kidnapped, tips. at least. Yeah, hot, hot tips. Um, first hot tip. D tell the cops. Second hot tip. Don't lie. Third hot tip. Don't use your identical sister... <laughs> as a decoy <laughs> for a psycho. Hot yeah. tip. Well, that's actually a perfect transition to my other realization, which is, so, uh, like, I know at this point in time, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, I, like, I bristle a little bit at the characters being insane, or they're a psycho, or they're crazy, or they're, you know, unstable, or whatever, even though, I mean, that's a fun, it's a fun trope in, in stories like this. Mm -hmm. But this, the way that it was handled in this book really underlined for me why this is a problem. <laughs> like, why it's a problem in the media that, you know, up until now still, it, you know, is put out this idea of the person who is like, this is what it means to be mentally unstable, right? Is to be 
a danger to yourself or others, right? And right. Uh, we didn't read this part, but it's so in the the epilogue sort of of this book. Oh yeah, I think I wrote it down actually. Elizabeth formed a mental picture of the scene in the parking lot. She's thinking back on what happened. She told Jessica that the police had come and she had to answer a lot of questions. But Christopher had willingly answered everything they wanted to know and surprised them all by asking for his own psychiatrist. It turned out he was a deeply troubled young man undergoing therapy. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, but I was just like, it's almost as if, it reads almost as if, like, the very fact that he's undergoing therapy is, like, already, like, that's another red flag. Like, oh, he's in therapy? Uh Uh-oh. He must be a psycho. You know, he's, meaning, not just a person who is mentally ill in some way, but a person who is, like, actively dangerous and disjointed, which he is, you know, that is his character in this book. And I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but... Right, right. No wonder we have this whole culture of people that only recently are, like, starting to break free of the feeling of, like, oh, I can't go to therapy, or I can't take medication if I need to or whatever, because doing that would be like admitting on some level that I am this like dangerous psycho. So I've joined a little thing called TikTok. I know I shouldn't admit that, but I have. Oh, no, I'm uh, on there. I, you know what? I, I think it's such a beautiful conversation about mental health and what a great platform to be able to reach out for people to explain and to have a community that brings such beautiful awareness and brings understanding to a lot of a lot of things I think it's so great you know and like and all joking aside like I laugh I laugh at this book but like the there are so many things in the book that I was like in the 80s I don't know if it was it wasn't talked about the same way you know you and it wasn't it wasn't considered you just were considered crazy and not and not just the that's true certainly not just of the psychoanalysis element of of this character but a lot of things that happen in the book you know really the girl's reaction to this guy being a stalker like right. is is much is something that now I got a I got a review recently a very nice review thank you so much where the person said something about like yelling at the podcast hello if you were the person that left this review about like oh no things were different back then and I want to assure you like yeah I think that's so interesting like I that's like part of what I think is so much fun to talk about and think about is like look how things were different like look how this was the way that we talked about x y and z and now people like us and people slightly older than us are maybe possibly like examining <laughs> like was mm-hmm. that was that the lesson that we needed like I know things were different uh, but maybe <laughs> it would have been better if it didn't seem like kind of normal that a guy could say to you I won't take no for an answer you must go on a date with me and if you don't I will blackmail you well I do commend the book that it didn't romanticize that that's true yeah like it, it never did that, and I actually give full credit. Um, I I read that, and I felt like their intention was, this, this is kind of messed up. Yeah, like let's That's see, the, ki- like kids, this is how you can get in over your head. Yeah, and, and I wish yeah. you know, I wish that. I think what I mean about the normalization or whatever is that Jessica's reaction is 
not to escalate this and be like, this needs to get reported. Instead, she's like, well, you know, he's just, he's just really a jealous guy, you know, so I just got to handle him myself. Because guys get like this sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. that's not verbatim, but that's, to me, that was sort of like the vibe. Yeah. But you're, but you're right. Because actually of how badly things go for the girls, the book in the end is absolutely like a condemnation of a lot of the decisions that were made and, and a warning to any readers out there. But hopefully it didn't also signal to them that a boy in therapy is got to be a psycho. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, you know, where it's do whatever you need to be the best version of yourself. Right. Well, did you have anything else in the book that you wanted to talk about? What a fun world. I just kept thinking because I, you know, I did read like boxcar children Mm-hmm, and I read sure. um, like Babysitter's Club. And so oh, I kind absolutely. of was expecting along those lines. Mm-hmm. And even even in, uh, even at my age, but like, honestly, even at my age, it's fun to read these stories again and kind of get like to feel sort of a nostalgia about these sorts of books. Yeah. And so it was it was great to just be thrown into that world and get to meet all these fun characters and the dynamics. And totally. You know, my, my one, if, you know, I know the nineties are coming back right now, but I would really love the eighties to make a comeback. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much like, let's bouffant the hair. Let's put on some, you know, wild lipstick. And I, that's, that that's like what fun. I'm asking for. So, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is great. But I kept, I kept putting them in like current day and I was like, no, 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 no. Right. You do realize why these books were so popular in their day because, because they're not, they're they're really quite adult, even though they're somewhat sanitized. Like what happens and the decisions and the thought processes that the characters are having, a lot of times the characters themselves are treated more like older, older young adults than they are. And I, th- I think yeah. and I, I've actually heard from from some listeners who have stories about being able to like get their parents to buy them these books and it was like the parents had no idea like you thought oh my kid wants to read great there must have been so many right. kids out there who were like yeah take me to the bookstore we'll get a book and then they're they're reading this you know book with all the it's essentially a, like a junior romance novel but like a, the racy version of that <laughs> a junior romance novel yeah well the, this book even has in the very back of it an advertisement for um, exciting news for romance readers, you oh. could uh, get a newsletter sent to you in the real mail called Love Letters. What's coming up? Exciting offers. A new romance series on the way. What's going down? The latest gossip about the Sweet Valley High gang. Who's in love and who's not? What? Yo, that is TMZ. That is old school TMZ. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. I would read that. I want to know. I know. I could cut this out and send it to the address listed. Can we please, please send me my free we get copy back? Of I mean, we could do it as an experiment for the podcast, you know? <gasps> I think so. I want to know what happens to Jeffrey. That's how I'm oh, invested well, in now. We're going to find out about that in a few books. Or Miss Novak. I hope. I wish her the best. I hope she goes to the big <laughs> dance. Well, the Miss Novak is coming up. Her 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 plight will be solved and addressed even sooner. I mean, I assume it'll be solved. It'll at least be addressed in next week's episode on uh, Book 55. Okay. I think that's that's pretty much all I got to say. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Taya, for doing this with me. Thanks for reading the book. And it's great to see you. 
Great to you too. Thanks for thanks for letting me play in the world of Sweet Valley. It was my pleasure. <laughs> and thank you too, gladiators. Bye. Bye. Ah, Marissa, this is really cool what you do. Thank you very much. This was super fun. And now you've kind of gotten me addicted to these books. Keep reading. So uh, who's your next guest? My dad. (gasps) Since I'm going home anyway. And the book's about a high school basketball player. And like he played, he was a high school basketball player. It seemed obvious. I mean, Marissa.